We are long distance. Interracial. Multicultural. Couple of introverts from different planets. And this is On Your Planet. Hello. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to your own show. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) How are you doing today? I am tired. Why are you so tired? Because I was with you yesterday in Los Angeles. Caught an overnight flight back to London and had one hour sleep. And now it's night time here. And my brain doesn't know where it is. (laughs) Yeah, the the um, post-red-eye struggle is real. I mean, jet lag is no joke. It's worth it, though. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun during this yeah. vacation. We did a lot of cool things. We spent a couple of days in Palm Springs, which was awesome. And um, you got to experience your first Independence Day. And my, my first earthquake. Oh, two. Two, two for the price of one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's very Californian. Fun. But I do know from my own trips back and forth that jet lag can take a toll on you. So uh, make sure that you are drinking a lot of water and that you are exercising because that helps. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Power naps help as well. But I need to stay awake till I go to bed properly. Yeah. What time are you aiming to go to bed tonight? I'm aiming... Oh, well, I was aiming for 10pm, but I think that's ambitious. We'll see. Okay. Alright, I'm really hoping that this jet lag is over soon for you and that, and that you can resume your normal way of living. Thanks. So, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, I would love to get into the topical news, uh, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off. So, I saw, um, looking at the news today, the last couple of days, the British ambassador to Washington, uh, Sir Kim Darroch, is his name, uh, has been quoted as calling the Trump administration inept and uh, uniquely dysfunctional. Um, and I don't believe Trump has responded yet. But I can't see can't see Sir Kim staying in the United States much longer. If Donald hears about that. Oh my gosh! Wait till Donald gets a load of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's probably playing golf right now, but or putting up uh, uh, streamers and blowing up balloons for the United States women's football team who don't want to go to the White House. <laughs> I don't follow him on Twitter, uh, but. I think probably later on tonight, you know, when he settles down and goes on his nightly Twitter run, this will mm-hmm. be part of that conversation. It'll be interesting to see what he says. But at least we, as a UK-US relations, are in a very good place, even if the official governmental ones aren't. Our countries have a special relationship. I think that will continue no matter what inept 
leader is in office. I wow. think you guys are understanding that this is just a, a small blemish in our country's history. Yes. Well, we speak the same language, even though we have different words for everything. What is your story? Uh, my story is super topical. As of three hours ago, um, the U.S. women national soccer team just won the World Cup. Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. It, I mean, you were lucky to get through the semi-final, FYI. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Talking crazy. <laughs> uh, how many... How many World Cups has England won? Just curious. Carry on with it. Carry on with your story. <laughs> well, I can say that the the women's team has won four out of eight World Cups since 1991. Um, so there you go for that one. I guess give you that. Maybe you can have a moment to just look that up while I'm speaking. But um, I'm fine. I'm good. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, I was reading an article by Drew Can, and it talked um, about the evolution of U.S. women's soccer and showing how it's really a microcosm of the fight for gender equality, both in the U.S. and internationally. For instance, the U.S. women's team has never finished worse than third place at a World Cup, whereas the U.S. men's national team are currently 30th in the world's ranking. However, the men players get paid more than women soccer players or football players. Um, so yeah, we see that everywhere. Just another example. Um, but I, I really like this article. It talked about, like I said, the evolution of how soccer for women became a thing. And uh, I have a couple of facts to share with you. In 1971, only 700 girls participated in high school soccer programs. Mm -hmm. In 1972, the year after, Title IX was signed, and that was a law that prohibited schools from discriminating on the basis of sex, including athletics. And that triggered a really explosive interest in soccer participation for women. Soccer in the U.S is the fourth most popular sport among high school students. Um, women women and men? Uh, women. Oh, just, just female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other ones are volleyball, basketball, and track and field. And then soccer comes next. Yeah. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, in 1971, only 700 girls participated in high school soccer programs. In 2018, can you guess how many girls played soccer in the U.S.? Um, I'm going to guess at 70,000. No, 390,000. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And since it, the Title IX, um, other countries have really invested in their women's soccer sports as well. Um, one example that stuck out to me was in Brazil between the early 1940s and 1979, so basically almost 40 years, women weren't allowed to play sports at all. 
Wow. So, yeah. And there are a lot of other countries like that who have had um, discriminatory laws against women playing. I can't even imagine living in a world where I wasn't allowed to, to be active or play a sport that I wanted to play because I was a woman or because I'm black. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's it's the same. It's it's not just uh, um, sports. It's like with voting as well, and the the right to vote in elections. Women have always, unfortunately, been uh, later than men being allowed to vote, which is just not right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that little tidbit of sports news. Don't get used to it. Listeners don't get used to me reporting on sports stuff. This is not my area of expertise, but I really did enjoy learning about about soccer um, in the U.S. Right. and abroad. So it shows <laughs> what a national team can do in lifting the interest of sports within that country. Mm-hmm. The power of sport. Yeah, the power of community. The power of. Um, I'm going to stop there. I, I, I always <laughs> like to come up with a third one, but I couldn't in time. And this is real life. <laughs> Sometimes the words don't flow. <laughs> so what's next? I would love to hear the quirky difference that you've noticed between the U.S. and the U.K. Um, well, one thing I noticed um, uh, whilst in uh, the United States on this trip just past is in supermarkets and just general stores um, they give out plastic bags um, for anything without additional charge I noticed whereas in uh, on this planet in the UK there is a law passed um, especially in supermarkets where it's, it's 5p or sometimes even 10 pence uh, per plastic bag if you need to use one of the store's bags. Um, and this was to cut down on plastic waste usage and to be better for the environment in general. But I could see that hasn't quite reached the United States yet. But they hand out plastic bags willy-nilly. I don't know if you're aware of this rule in the United Kingdom. Well, I have to say that that's not entirely true. <laughs> that is the case in some states, but in other states um, and in other in, in certain counties, um, we do have a, a single bag ban. Um, so, for instance, when I go to the grocery store here in Los Angeles, I have to bring my own bags or pay 10 cents to to um, use a stores bag. But it's basically. not a nationwide thing, right? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it should be, is it federal law that's nationwide? Yes. It should be federal law. Yeah, it, so I'm guessing it's a, it's a countrywide law in the UK? Yeah. Did it... Did it all, did it like become enacted in one swoop across the UK or did it take time? No, I think it was England and Wales. I'm not quite sure about Scotland and Northern Ireland, but England and Wales, it was all in one, one overnight go. Were people resistant to that at first? 
people were, but you get used to it. You just you just have to take a reuse your bags and take a bag. It's easy. And then if you're out and have a spontaneous shop, then you um, yeah, you have to pay your little bit of money towards it. Yeah. I think it's a good yeah. rule. I think people were a little bit resistant here too. I agree. I think it's a good rule. Um, although I never just used my plastic bags one time. So my my plastic bags in my home were never single use. I would always use them for trash can liners or if I needed to carry things from one place to another. Um, so I actually feel really excited when I get a plastic bag now. So like, oh yeah, I can use this for something great. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I remember when the when the law first um, was passed here, and you would just see people <laughs> walking out of grocery stores with the, their whole shop shopping cart worth of groceries in their arms because they didn't want to pay, and um, they just they forgot their bags in their car. <laughs> so, uh, I think it took people a long time to get used to it here as well. So my quirky difference isn't really a difference. I was under the impression there was a difference. But well, it's kind of a bit of it a is difference. a difference in some. It's a difference in some states, and then also there are rules like that I'm not quite clear on. So I know this is the case in grocery stores, but that's not always the case in clothing stores. I believe mm-hmm. when the cashiers ask me if I would like a bag and if I don't have a bag on me, I have to double check, like, is that free or is that with the cost? Um, because I never really know. So yeah. it's a little confusing. Here, if it's plastic bags, you pay. I think if it's like paper bags or recyclable themselves bags, you don't have to. Hmm. Okay. But yeah. All right. Well, now I'm going to move into our last segment of the show, which is what are you loving and what are you learning? So I'll kick this one off. Okay. I am appreciating local businesses this week. You and I went on a chocolate tour at a really small um couple owned chocolate factory here in Los Angeles and it was really amazing just to see how much work the this couple puts into their business just the two of them and they're doing incredible things and they're really sewing into the global economy and making sure people are being paid fairly and being treated ethically and I just it, it connects me even more to my community to my local community so um, for all of you listeners out there please take time to uh, support local businesses the little coffee shop down the street um, the little boutique that you always pass by and get to know you know the, the people who work there and the owners and and build up your sense of community and we should give a shout out to letterpress chocolates which is the chocolate factory yes letterpress chocolates really awesome check them out and the tour is pretty inexpensive and you get rewarded afterwards with a taste testing of chocolates from all over the world what could be better mm-hmm. and it's good chocolate mm-hmm. i had some last night while you were on your flight what <laughs> yes <sighs> well it's well it's coke it's not chocolate from all over the world it's the cocoa beans from all over the world but then they, they make all the chocolate on their little premises down in, what area was it? 
Uh, we could say that's Culver City. Culver City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is good chocolate. And then a very interesting, informative tour on the process. Definitely. We learned a lot. He gave so much information. I definitely will be back to buy their ice cream and mm. their chocolate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We know how you love ice cream. Yeah, I do. I do. Mm. <laughs> Uh, is there anything that you are loving or learning this week? My main thing is a new podcast that I have discovered called Don't Tell Me The Score. Um, it's hosted by a guy called Simon Monday at Monday. And um, it's a BBC podcast. And he speaks to sports psychologists and experts and sports people about how to apply all the the kind of big rise in sports psychology in elite elite sports uh, applying that to regular life and it's quite fascinating the kind of in-depth uh, process that sports teams and people go through to get that edge and become winners and champions um, in uh, the elite sports world and the little tips and tricks but that relating it to your regular life and how you can apply those little tips and tricks to uh, to improve your own working or personal environment. I really recommend it. Five stars. We listened to it while you were here and it was really good. I, I really liked hearing how they applied sports psychology to everyday things. So even if you don't consider yourself an athlete, I, yeah, give it a try. Give it a go. But, oh God, I just love podcasts, don't you? It's just, you can learn so much from them on any topic. True. Yeah, which is why we decided to start our own. So with that said, I think we can wrap up this week. Another good episode. Yay, yay. We certainly can. I'm going to bed. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great week. Good night.